0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. 1 John chapter 4, verse 13 through 18 this morning. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he is is so because as he is so also are we in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love cast out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love this is the word of god
1: well it is good to be back in clavering temple and it's good uh, yes i'm glad everyone survived the night Um, that was a harrowing night downtown. I don't know how it was in the rest of the city, but, uh, seems like, though, I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. So my wife tells me what a harrowing night it was. Um, there, there can't be anything worse than watching someone sleep through the moment that terrifies you, uh, and I think that's what I did to you last night, honey, so I'm sorry, um, but yeah, uh, I could see what happened this morning. We lost a shutter, and uh, a lot going on in our neighborhood. But uh, but it's good to be here. So um, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll dive into our text. Father, we um, thank you so much that you are a God that loves us. That you're a God that um, that redeems us through your love. We thank you that love has a name, and his name is Jesus. We thank you that your love heals us, restores us, renews us. But, oh God, how desperately we need you, because we are wounded souls. We are wounded by the world. We're wounded by the fall. We have been wounded in our relationships, and therefore we wound in our relationships. We hide, we protect, we defend, and oh God, we need you this morning. We don't need the words of a man, we need the words of God. We don't need the craftiness of a well-crafted sermon, but we need your very presence to drive your words into our hearts to bring real and lasting change. So would you do that? Would you meet us, O God? Would you meet us in your word? And would you do great work? Show us Jesus. Show us his love. O God, show us our sin. And show us that he is one who loves us even in the midst of our sin. And may that be a power that brings radical change. Father, we beg you to make this body a family. We pray that we would... Be so out of ourselves and into you that we might be a loving body concerned more for the interest of others than for our own. Consumed more with thoughts of how others have been mistreated, how others have been slighted. That God, we might be agents of healing. And not consumers. Father, would you meet us? Would you change us? Would you come, Holy Spirit? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple weeks ago, I was with my grandson Silas. And uh, Silas is two years old. We were at the local um, playground in our neighborhood. And we have these rail ties um, on the playground, and even though they're incredible slides and swings and all kinds of things that kids love, um, all of my grandchildren, at one point, at, at least the boys, tend toward those rail ties. And they want to walk them but like a tightrope walk. They want to get on them. And there's, you know, the two-foot drop-off, which when you're about two feet tall, that's a long way. Um, and, and so Silas was on that tie and he was doing a good job and he was looking straight ahead. But then all of a sudden he looked like this and you know what happened? He started wobbling. And I said, Silas, look straight ahead. Look at the rail tie because you walk where you look. And that's what John has been telling us. He's been telling us not to walk in darkness, but walk in the light. And the only way to walk in the light is to keep our eyes on Jesus. The writer of Hebrews tells us that he is the author and protector, the finisher of our faith. And so when we are focused on Jesus, everything that comes after that and everything that comes out of that is a result. You see, that's how the Christian life works. It is By grace you have been saved through faith, but this not of yourselves. It's the gift of God so that why? So that we might not boast. And you see that John has been giving us the the, the test of assurance that we are saved. He tells us that a true believer walks in the light. He tells us that a true believer lives an obedient life. And he tells us that a true believer... Confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, and one who confesses that lives a life of love. He is moving in a direction of love, and and we are not there. He's telling us about a trajectory. He's telling us where we're moving, and what God is seeking to do. But in our passage here, he's telling us that if we are loving, if love exists in us and all then the Spirit of God is present. Why? Because you and I cannot produce love. The Spirit of God must do it for us. And so where the Spirit is, there is love. And the way that we live a loving life is by looking at Jesus. And so this morning, that's what we want to deal with. He, I want to focus in primarily on verse 18, though we're going to backtrack and get to 13 through 17. But these words have just hung in my head and have been bouncing around all, really, the last two weeks, since I didn't preach last week, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts away fear. Why is he bringing up fear? That's what I want us to hone in on. And, And I think what he's showing us here, number one, is that fear is the very thing that keeps us from bringing love in. Fear is what keeps us from appropriating love. Now, how does that work? Well, I thought about the deep um, story of Beauty and the Beast. Um, I don't know why that came to mind, but I think it's good. And y- y- you might know a little bit of the story, but I, I want to show a scene of Beauty and the Beast. It- it's when Belle comes to the house and... Uh, there's a lot of pressure in the house. Everybody's excited because maybe this is the one, the girl, that's going to break the spell that the beast can actually fall in love with and break the spell. And so watch this encounter.
0: Dinner is served. What's taking so long? I told her to come down. Why isn't she here yet?
1: Oh, try to be patient, sir. The girl has lost her father and her freedom all in one
0: day. Master, have you thought that perhaps this girl could be the one to break the spell? Of course I have. I'm not a fool. Good. So, you fall in love with her, she falls in love with you, and... Boom! The spell is broken. We'll be human again by midnight.
1: Oh, it's not that easy, Lumiere. These things take time. But the rose
0: has already begun to wilt. Oh, it's no use she's so beautiful, I'm... Well, look at me! Oh, you must help her to see past all that. I don't know how. Well, you can start by making yourself more presentable. Straighten up. Try to act like a gentleman.
1: Ah, yes. When she comes in, give her a dashing debonair smile. Come, come, show me
0: the smile. But don't frighten the poor girl. Impress her with your rapier wit. But be gentle. Shower her with compliments. But be sincere. And above all... You must control control your your temper. temper. Here she is. Good evening. Well, where is she? Who? Oh, uh, the girl. Yes, the girl. Well, actually, she's in the process of... uh, Circumstances being what they are, you, she's not coming. What? <laughs> your place, your I thought I told you to come down for dinner. I'm not hungry. You'll come out, or I'll, I'll, I'll break down the door. Master, I could be wrong,
1: but uh, that may not be the best way to win the girl's affections.
0: Please, attempt to be a gentleman. But she is being so difficult. Gently, gently. Will you come down to dinner? No. Suave, genteel. It would give me great pleasure if you would join me for dinner. Uh, please. Please. No, thank you. You can't stay in there forever. Yes, I can. Fine. Then go ahead and starve. If she doesn't eat with me, then she doesn't eat at all.
1: Oh dear. So what's wrong with the beast? What what is his problem? Um, there's a backstory in there. You see, the beast used to be a pretty handsome prince but he was prideful he was arrogant and a a spell was cast upon him to make him look like that so he was trapped in his ugliness And, and because he was trapped in his ugliness and the pressure was there to have the spell broken by falling in love finding true love before the last petal of rose fell there's this sense of pressure that, that he's going to be trapped in his ugliness forever. And even though he wants to love, even though he wants to, to win Bell over, he can't. Why? Because of the deep wounds. And that's our story. As I thought about an instance that Rachel and I experienced a couple years ago, uh, we were, went to to see some old friends a community of old friends and and as soon as we arrived we felt coldness from a lot of them and there were rude things spoken and people wouldn't make eye contact with us and it was weird and it was obvious that that something had happened that 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 there had been a conversation about us and that we had obviously done something and we left perplexed and wounded and angry one minute and tearful the next minute and wondering what is all this and and the reason that it hurts so bad is because we are made for love all of us are made for love and yet all of us have been betrayed all of us have been wounded and and, and the the problem is that wounded people wound that that Hurt people hurt. And so the fear of loving keeps us from loving. The fear of putting ourselves out there one more time. The fear of getting slapped back. It's just too much that we feel that sometimes. And it's real. Why? Because we were made for love. We weren't made to be betrayed. We weren't made to be lied to. We weren't made for the cold shoulder. We weren't made for people to gossip about us. We weren't made for people not to make eye talk. We were made for embrace. We were made for acceptance. We were made for love. And so that's where we are, and that's where the beast is. He wants to love, but he can't love. Okay, please, no, rejection, roar. My wife woke me up last night at about midnight because our alarm was going off and I'd been asleep for a couple of hours and I felt like the beast. I was not kind. <laughs> that was coming out of me. And then I fell asleep again and it came on again and she woke me up again and I'm hard of hearing and didn't have my hearing aids in. So it wasn't bothering me at all, but uh, it was bothering her, which it, I can understand why. And so I have to go downstairs and, I mean, what is that? We, we want to love, but we can't love. And that's where we are all trapped. C.S. Lotus put it like this. He said, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must keep it to, give it to no one. Not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. And so love for us is war. That's the language that we use, isn't it? We talk about putting ourselves out there and what? Getting shot down. We talk about going on the offensive or going on the defensive. And the Scriptures do do the same thing. If you look at Galatians 5.15, Paul gives us this warning. If you bite and devour each other. See, there was gossip and infighting going on in the churches in Galatia. So if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And James gives us this warning. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. Interesting. Seeming literal murder? Yeah, maybe. But I think probably most uh, predominantly that infighting that Paul is talking about in Galatians 5. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. We fear the vulnerability Of getting hurt again. And I think too. There's a deeper fear. That John speaks of. In the last couple of verses. He says. By this is love perfected with us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is so also are we in this world. But there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives away fear. I think there's this sense in all of us that we saw in the beast that, that the fear of rejection is going to be eternal. And I think it's so because we have been cast out of the garden, which we're going to get to here in a second. We all have this fear of judgment. Judgment. As much as we want to deny it, it is deeply ingrained in us because we know that we deserve it. And so we fear even the final judgment. And that's why we fear death so much. And so what do we do? How do we love? Secondly, love has to be brought in or imported. Love has to be imported. This is so necessary for us to understand we there was a the community group that shannon mcdonald is in had a uh, a cookout a couple weeks ago maybe a week ago a a going away cookout and um there at the cookout they had a, a can or a bottle um canister of kimchi you know what kimchi is it's a korean dish obviously but it it is um cabbage that's been buried in the ground and allowed to ferment, rot, basically. And then once it gets good and nasty and smelly, they pull it out of the ground and you eat it. That's kimchi. Um, I have never, kimchi has never passed these lips. Um, I've never eaten kimchi, but it was there for the taking. One thing you can know is if you see kimchi, you know it's imported you know it is brought in. It's not something that was made here. And that is what John is telling us about love. True love cannot be manufactured by you or me. It's not a work that we just need to try harder to do. It's not something that we can just kind of put before us and say, I'm going to do better. It is not a product of us. It is a product of God coming into us. God is love, verse 16b, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Love literally comes from God. And so how do we bring God's love in so that it can flow out? I want us to think about this process now. How can we bring God's love in so we're not the beast, but we're Bell? How do we bring that love in? Um, we've got to bring it in through faith. Paul in Galatians 5. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision amounts to anything or counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Faith working through love. That's what John tells us in verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. I, Matthew, if you would put up the cross chart. I know I'm going a little out of order, but you're going to have to bounce around a little bit. There we go. Hey, put the other one up that doesn't have the stuff on the end. Did you get that other one? If not, no big deal. We can make this work. Um, so, I want to kind of talk through this. Um there we go. There it is. All right. Um, so you see, conversion. This is where we come to faith for the first time. Before conversion, we have this. Over. We're operating as sent out ones. We're operating as as those who have been put out of the garden. We're created for love because love creates us in Genesis one and two. And yet in Genesis 3, because Adam and Eve rebelled against God, God was true to his word and brought death upon humanity, and he sent us out. And we all have that sense of being away from home. Has anybody watched the movie Lion? Um, it, about, yes. Um, it, it's the movie about um, a five-year, I think it was five years old, indian uh, young Indian boy who gets separated from his brother and his mother, um, and falls asleep on a train and ends up two days away from his hometown. And he's adopted and uh, moves to Australia and does great, prospers, does wonderful in this family. Until his early 20s, he starts processing um, these memories of, of his mother and his brother. And he starts thinking about and really becoming obsessed with home this whole concept of home, and he wants to get back home, but he doesn't really understand what's going on inside of him, and he he he, he um, is angry a lot of the time. He um, he he um, can't love his girlfriend after he becomes consumed with this this whole idea of home. And the only thing that will heal him, the only thing that will free him, is the love of home, the love of his mother, and a reunion. And friends, that's where we all are before conversion. We are all there, and that's why the Bible speaks of being reconciled to God. Why do I need to be reconciled? Someone, uh, you can leave that up if you want to, Matthew, but someone who, um, you know, uh, never views himself or herself as in relationship with God, why do they need to be reconciled to God? Because everyone is sent out. We are all out and we all have this internal sense that we are sent out ones. And yet we were created for love. Yet we must go home. And so how do we go home? Number two, God's spirit has to bring us back. That's what we're learning here. Verses 13 through 14. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. Jesus teaches us that unless the Spirit of God gives us the gift of faith, we will not see Jesus as the Son. We see it in Matthew 16, when the famous portion where um, uh, Jesus is asking His disciples who they profess Him to be. And he points to Peter, and Peter says this. Uh, Jesus says, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The Spirit of Christ, that's what conversion is. It is when the Spirit of Christ convinces us that Jesus is the Son of God. And and when we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, we believe that His work is for us personally. We believe that He lived and died and rose, that we might be gods. And so thirdly, God's Spirit brings us back by gifting us faith. Here's how this works. Go back to that cross. I know I'm I'm putting you to work. Uh, But at the point of conversion, we believe two things. The Spirit convinces us of a holy God that we could never work our way back to. And it convinces us of our our sin, because this gap between God's holiness and our flesh and our sinfulness, it, it is just too wide for us to bridge with good works, with image management, with accomplishment, with whatever it is. We know that there's no way back to God but through Jesus. That's what John is talking about. The Spirit of Christ convinces us that, indeed, Jesus is the Son of God. He is who He said He is, and He is the one who lived for us under the law, fulfilling all of its requirements, and then gifting me the gift of forgiveness through His atoning work on the cross. And by faith, or through faith alone, we receive Jesus, and Jesus grows large to us and we grow small. And yet the very gospel that saves us must grow us. This is what the Christian life must look like. We must constantly be at um, bouncing between the reality of our sinfulness and the reality of God's grace in Christ Jesus. If we are only over here in our sinfulness, then we are living despondent, defeated lives. If all we see is ourselves, as we are sinners, undeserving of God's grace, then there's no hope. And yet, if all we see and all we focus on is the love of God and not our personal sin, then God's love doesn't mean anything to us. It's not a power. But when you take my sin and God's love and you bring them together, then you have power. And the product of that is is love. The product of that is love. That's what Paul is saying in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now let me tell you what God is doing in your life all the time. He is working to get you to believe both of those things simultaneously. Because in that moment... You have the overwhelming sense, it is by grace I am saved through faith. And this not of myself, it's the gift of God. And the fruit that comes from that, what comes out of that, is love. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love. It's kindness, it's goodness, that's love. The rest of the fruits of the Spirit are just um, um, defining love. It's patient. It's self-control. It's gentleness. It's everything the beast is not, and it's everything that Richard is at one in the morning when he's woken up. I mean, that's it. And yet, what does Richard have to believe for love to genuinely not come out? I can't say, oh, I've got to write, you right... Know, okay, the next time I'm woken up, I'm not going to act uh, grumpy. That's the law. That doesn't work. But what I can do is say... When Richard is woken up, he is grumpy. But Christ is loving me passionately. He should disown me, but he loves me. And when that reality hits, my heart softens. And I'm a gentler, kinder, better man. That's how love works. It's the gospel of Jesus. And fourthly, What brings us home keeps us home. Verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. God abides in him. And he in God. When I am confessing I am not my Savior, but Jesus is, then God is living in me and he is living through me to those around me. This is what Paul is describing in Ephesians 2, 1-8. through 8. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked. Do you hear that? That, that? that ongoing reality of walking in your sins, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. And so dear friend, let me give you a test. Where are you this morning? Are you a loving man or woman? Are you radically loving this morning? If not, it's because the reality of your sin and or the reality of the death of God's mercy is not in your heart and a present reality in your mind. You're not drinking those things in. You're, you're pushing away thoughts of your own sin. You're clinging on to thoughts of your own goodness. And so, friends, the gospel says at the worst thought of yourself, it's worse than that. And that's the good news. When we feel that we are being condemned by what we're seeing about ourselves, Jesus is Is close. It's in those moments when we are defeated by our sin and and we're realizing how helpless we are before our sin that Jesus can then possibly, maybe, finally become a power in our lives. Not just a distant thought of what He did for me back in 19-whatever, but a reality today, the power of God today, most of the time, the reason that we don't want to look at our sin is because we don't want to still need Jesus. We, we, we want to be done with repentance. We want to be done with humility. We want to be done with neediness. And yet that is our only position of strength. Because Christ's power is made manifest not in our strength, but in our weakness. Weakness. Dear friend, are you resisting God's exposure of you as weak and sinful today? You see, it can't just be for somebody else. It's got to be for us, personally. I would love for you to take about 30 seconds... And, and, and literally do some business with God saying, God, what is it in my heart that you want me to see? And I know we need longer than 30 seconds. <laughs> but take 30 seconds and let God just speak to you, not your friend, not, don't think about what people have done to you, but to you. What does God, what, what sin in your heart, what, what is there? That God wants to expose in you this morning. In the midst of that sin, Jesus says, I'm for you. He says, my grace is for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Receive His forgiveness. Now, why do we do this? Thirdly and finally, Love frees us from fear and frees us to love. Verses 17 through 18. It is so easy to look at the gospel as a consumeristic thing that is just going to make me feel better about me for the day. That's not the purpose of the gospel. The gospel is power for mission. You never just fill up your car so you can have a full tank of gas. You fill up your car so you can go somewhere. You fill up your car so you can get someplace. You fill up your car so you can get the wheels turning. Dear friends, we never believe the gospel just for us. But we believe the gospel for the good of those around us. We believe the gospel for Memphis. Listen to these verses. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, but whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, how do you feel when you deserve punishment? You, you live in a box of self condemnation. You live in a box of of despondency and depression and self-loathing. So what would life look like to get out of that box and into a box of God's perfect love? At that point, you are freed not to be selfish, but you are freed to begin loving people around you. But Richard, you don't understand what they have done to me. It doesn't matter. Look at what we did to Jesus. Look at what he came to do. And yet, even in his darkest moment, he did not turn inward. But he was saying, oh, Father, may this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. In his darkest moment, in the midst of suffering, when we are most inclined to turn life upon us and and to become self-consumed, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing. That's what love does. Love overcomes the world. Love overcomes the assaults upon you. Yes, acknowledge what's been done to you. Acknowledge how you've been betrayed. Feel it and take it to the cross and say, Jesus, I've done much worse to you and you came and lived and died for me. So how can I not extend forgiveness? How can I not love? Let your offense against God And His grace and mercy soften your heart until your tank is full so that you can go somewhere. You see, that's what, I mean, that's the beauty of what Shannon is doing. I hope and pray that her tank is so full of the gospel that now she wants to go to Seoul, South Korea. But do you understand it's the same thing to get you to go to your neighbor? to get you to go to your children or your spouse or your parents or your neighbor or your co-worker or your neighborhood or your city. it it, it is His love is perfected in freeing us to go and to take His love with us and to let it overflow on others. That is the power of love. I love the testimony of the wife of the guard that was killed when the Coptic church was um, attacked a few months back. I believe it was either Easter, I think it was Easter weekend, or maybe the week before Easter. And 30 believers were murdered, and this was the, the first person that was killed was the security guard. His wife gets on TV and talks about her love and her forgiveness for those that committed these acts. And the person doing the interview was so stunned. He was Muslim. He was so stunned that he didn't speak for three minutes. You know how long that is on live TV? He did not speak for three minutes. And then he said something to this effect. He said, your faith is like steel, like metal. He said, that you would never hear the forgiving word. You would never hear what's coming out of your mouth out of the mouth of someone in my religion, in my faith. Why could that woman forgive the the people that killed her husband? Because she knows what she deserves and she knows what she has in Jesus. Do you? Who do you need to forgive? How do you need to express love? That's where the rest of this series is going to go. How do you love in this world? How do you love in this world when we're betrayed, when we're hurt, when we're not Jesus? How do we do it? How do we love evil people in our lives? How do we love sick people in our lives? How do we love? And what does that look like in the world around us? The first step and the last step is look at Jesus in light of your sin. I look forward to the next couple of weeks. question this morning, do you understand the depth of your sin and the beauty of God's grace? Now, what are you going to do from it? Who is God asking you to love? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. We thank you, Jesus, that that you can take beasts and make us bells. That you can take all of our grumpiness and our self-consumption and our victim mentality. You can take our surface level definition of love and you can drive us so deep. And so this morning I pray that Lord Jesus, you would make our sin real and you would make your love real. And I pray that the gospel would empower us to love in ways that we've never dreamed. Oh God, would you love through us to the point that that our neighbors, that our family, that this city, that this world might know that there is power in the blood of Jesus. I pray, O God, that you would make us such an army of loving men and women, such an impenetrable community of love and forgiveness and mercy and kindness and goodness and patience and self-control and gentleness right here at downtown church, that, O God, you would get glory. Because at that point, none of us would be noisy gongs or clanging cymbals needing attention or needing our names to be flashed in lights. But in that moment and in that season, oh God, You would be lifted up and Your name we would boast in. So Father, I pray that You would pour out Your Spirit of conviction and convincing. Help us to know how much we're loved even in light of our sin. Oh God, would You do a work of revival at downtown church a work of Your Spirit that no one can explain away. Oh God, we beg You to show up and to do in us what we can't do for ourselves. We've said this morning that love abides in us only when You abide in us. So would You abide in us, oh God? Would You break through the unbelief right now? Would You break through the hard layers of sin and rebellion The hard layers of unbelief. Oh God, would you help us to believe again? Would you help us to hope again? Oh God, may we believe you and trust you for things that are the size of your love. Not the size of our faith. Oh God, would you come? Would you do your work like a pile driver? Would you by your love just drive through our hard hearts? We need you. We beg you to come, Lord Jesus.